Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Nerd Unscripted. This is your host for today, Tony Ladig. And <clears throat> I'm really excited to uh, get into this information. Um, definitely quite the departure from my normal teachings and trainings and those kinds of things. Um, but uh, I'm excited nonetheless. I wanted to kind of start off with a, a big picture look at this so that you all have some context. I know some of you have listened to previous Nerd Unscripted, and so you would have more of an understanding perhaps of some of this than others. Um, but I mean, hey, it's been 10 months, right? <laughs> Since we got together with Nerd Unscripted. I think we ended at the end of last year. Um, so I'm pretty excited to get into it. I have no idea how long this is going to last. Um, uh, from a uh, quote-unquote download perspective, I'm still getting stuff every day. I got stuff today that was pretty freaking amazing. And um, so my plan is uh, today to just kind of give the foundation of why this, why we're even talking about this. And so that you understand some of my history and where I'm coming from. Um, one thing that I will say getting into this is that uh, I certainly understand that I'm not the only one receiving this information. A lot of people are. Chances are, you know, many, if not all of you are. Uh, we certainly all have access to it. Uh, and second of all, some of the definitions and such that I've been given have been shared using other definitions. Um, like, for instance, the library, just that word in and of itself could be called a lot of different things and uh, and has been called a lot of different things. Uh, so the definitions that I've been given um, are just that based on my own frame of reference. Um, because one of the things that I've learned is that as we receive information from the library, hence the Library Chronicles, uh, it adapts and conforms to what best suits us, you know? So the underlying information is going to always be the same, but how you and I relate to it can be different because we're each unique. We each have a different vibration and pattern and all of that. Uh, also I am sharing what I'm sharing based on my own experience. Um, so I, there's no need for debate or anything because this ultimately isn't about right or wrong. This is just what I've been seeing, hearing, and receiving over the last several years, uh, and especially more frequently over the last three weeks or more. Um, and then uh, lastly, I promise that as we go through some of this material, Chances are likely that it's going to challenge some of your belief systems and how you see things, what you've always thought about certain things. And that's a good thing. Don't take offense to it. Um, one of the thing, one of the reasons why we're here on this planet to begin with is to grow and evolve, right? Um, and sometimes growing and evolving requires learning how to see things differently. That's been one of the ongoing calls that I've had, if you will, call on my life. Uh, one of my personal life challenges has been to teach other people how to see differently. And you're going to, uh, no pun intended, see that as a recurring theme as we go through this material because it keeps coming up again and again. Um, 
And uh, again, it doesn't make me special. It just makes me one of many. And I recognize that place. But it's also really exciting. Um, one of the things that I've really not been doing um, over the last month is reading. Because I recognize, just like anybody, uh, it's easy to be influenced by what we take in and what we read. And I, I'm certainly a reader and I've read for years and, and all of that. And so I'm sure that some of what comes through what I share is possibly influenced by some of what I've read in the past, but it's hard to separate that out. Um, but I haven't been reading lately. I have several books that I really want to dig into, um, but I don't want to influence what I've been writing. And I have about, in this document that I'm going to be sharing from over however long we're together, um, it has about 25,000 words in it. So I'm averaging about 1,200 words a day right now that I'm getting usually early in the morning. Um, and so I think that's some of the housekeeping kind of things. But we're going to continue getting together and meeting. Um, this by uh, in no way is meant to be a one-way conversation. You know, just me talking head to you guys. So um, I really want to encourage you that, um, you know, please feel free to share your own experiences, your own insights. If uh, what we talk about here triggers something in you, I'd love to hear about it because uh, this is a journey. Uh, one of the things that I've discovered, um, it's a journey that we're all on. It's information that we all have access to uh, much more than we all realize. And uh to me, that's extremely exciting. So, um, just to kind of give you a little bit of foundation for why we're even here talking about some of this stuff today. Uh, back in 1996, I don't know why, but that was a very pivotal year for me. It was the bicentennial celebration of the United States, of course, and and all of that, although I don't think that had anything to do with any of this. But there were two key events that happened in my life that year that um, I think forged actually three. Three events that happened that all that year, um, mostly all in the summer, that kind of forged this path for me that I've been on for a long time. Um, the first one was, um, uh, let me, doesn't really matter which order I share them in. So the first thing that happened was, it, it was the first time that I met my, um, my first mentor. Uh, it was a guy named Arthur Hoke. Uh, he was a, uh, a, a recluse, but also a genius. Uh, on a number of levels, but especially in electronics. And um, he had been working on um, some experiments using frequency and resonance to alter cancer cells in blood. And uh, he was working with a doctor, and uh, they were making some headway. The doctor got cold feet. 
he, um, long story short, ended up in federal prison. Um, <laughs> but not because he did anything wrong. Um, more because he was doing something right. And by prison, I don't mean like behind barred doors. I mean like a top secret federal research laboratory, um, which he worked there for 13 years. And during that time, he worked on a lot of uh, top secret um, programs that were mostly related to uh, resonance and electrical fields. Uh, so that was when he was younger. So that's the guy who ended up being my first mentor. And the whole reason why it even happened, um, I was a science and math nerd uh, whenever I was in high school. And uh, one of the things that I loved back then, um, still do today, uh, was model rocketry. I just loved it. And so Deb wanted to make a cool birthday present for me for, for that year for model rocketry. So he talked to Mr. Hoke to see if he could build some kind of a high-end electronics-based uh, rocket launcher for me. And, uh, and he did that, and it was badass, to say the least. I mean, it was just awesome. <laughs> I, like, the only one in the world that was like this. And so uh, that piqued my curiosity to get to know this guy, um, you know, and uh, I'd go to his house and visit frequently, and his house was like this three-story thing that looked like it should have been condemned years earlier. And uh, it was clutter city, floor to ceiling. It smelled like old man smell, <laughs> an old house smell. Um, but some of the times that I had with him were just phenomenal. I mean, just really amazing. And I learned a lot from him, mostly just listening. Half of it I didn't even understand, but... Um, he, one of the things that he did that he made shortly after I started going down there and hanging out was, um, he built his own, uh, particle beam accelerator from scratch. And I remember, uh, the day that he asked, invited me down to, um, to test it. It was just this odd looking contraption and he had it in his, uh, like the back room of his house was kind of like a part of his lab, if you will. And it opened out into his backyard. And at the end of his backyard, he had this big old dilapidated looking barn. And uh, so he pointed this thing at the barn and hit the button after he turned on the switch. The thing used a lot of power, a lot of electricity. He hit the switch and nothing happened at first. And then all of a sudden... The whole, a hole the size of a tractor and trailer opened up in this barn. I mean, you couldn't see anything. It's just like, just, it wasn't even like an explosion. It was just like all of a sudden there was a wall there and then there was a hole there. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Um, so I had that influence in my life starting in 1976. Uh, and that, was responsible for a lot of interesting things in my life because uh, the last thing that he told me before he died, which was in 1981, is when he passed. Um, he said, we've talked a about a lot of things over the years, and I'm sure that a lot of it has gone over your head, but if you don't remember anything else, remember this. The secret to everything is resonance.
and we had talked about resonance before and how to tune it and how it affects uh, human bodies and all of that kind of stuff. But that was literally the last thing he said to me. And um, I couldn't get it out of my head. Had no idea what the hell he was talking about, but I couldn't get it out of my head. So the same year, my dad and I were watching this documentary. And um, because I like weirdo documentaries, still do. And they were talking about uh, the Coral Castle in Florida and uh, the guy who built that. And uh, one of the things, it it wasn't so much the fact that it was just, you know, cool. It's what um, the guy was quoted as saying. And that was that he had discovered the secrets of the pyramids. And uh, later alluded to secrets of the universe and stuff like that. And that really got me going. I was 14, you know, when all this happened. And um, so another thing that I couldn't get out of my head was how on earth did he discover the secrets of the pyramids? Like, I want to discover the secrets of the pyramids. You know, like I, you know, I want to know that too. Um, third thing that happened that year, um, and these aren't necessarily in order. I don't remember the order. Uh, I mean, we're talking a long time ago, you know? Um, but anyway, so the third thing that happened was, um, for whatever reason, there was a lot of, um, um, UFO type activity in our town. And, um, the one event specifically, which most of you have heard this, uh, was, um, it was in July, half the town, which is like 30 people (laughs) was outside in the street, just talking and carrying on and playing and stuff. And all of a sudden I looked up and there was a flying saucer literally that just came over the town and based on how it covered or like that part of the sky that it covered and the size of our town and all of that. My guesstimation uh, was that it was close to a mile across. It was huge, just massive. And um, looking up at it, there was no sound, but um, in the very bottom in the middle, there was these uh, rotating lights that would go back and forth. Um, like spin to the left and then spin to the right and spin to the left. And so they were very rhythmic. And then there were also like around the perimeter edge, uh, there were also lights. Um, and uh, it just sat there for five or 10 minutes, probably. And, uh, and then later, um, there was like all of these little white dot looking things that were like it looked like there were stars all over the sky, but all of a sudden they started moving. And then all at once simultaneously, they all like left where they were. And suddenly they're around this saucer, you know, it's just like, you know, like crazy speeder than light fast, almost or faster than light speed. (laughs) Dyslexia. It's real. Um, and so once these little pin light, things uh came up alongside this big bigger saucer craft it just kind of went out across the valley and it was gone 
later found out that other people had seen it. And that was like the first of dozens and dozens of sightings that year. Um, it, the sightings lasted for almost two months and <clears throat> they happened almost every night in one form or another. But that was the only time that I saw that particular ship. Uh, there was twice where there was like a more of a cigar shaped ship, like a longer pill kind of thing. Um, but anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about flying saucers. But anyway, so those three events in, um, 1976 were really what fired my imagination, um, in a really crazy, insane way. Um, because I, I, I was just obsessed. I, I couldn't, you know, it set me on a path probably by design, but I didn't know that, you know, back then I was a kid, but you know, looking back over my life, which I've been doing a lot of reflecting over the last several weeks, I can really see how impactful all of that was. And so, um, moved to New Jersey, got married, had kids, uh, lived there for 10 years. I didn't get married right away down there and then came back to Pennsylvania to, um, begin working as a book designer for destiny image publishers, Christian publishing company. And I, so I started there in uh, 1993 and it was an interesting experience because uh, first of all, it launched my design career, which I'm grateful for, but, um, it also exposed me to a lot of people that normally I wouldn't have had access to. Granted, it was in the charismatic Christian space. And so got to, because I was designing all the book covers, I, I met many of the authors and um, had, you know, firsthand opportunity to experience a lot of the interesting things that were going on in the charismatic church movement at that time, like the uh, revivals in Brownsville, Florida, and Toronto, and um, over in England and different places like that which um, I designed all of their book covers, like all of the leaders of all of those movements. I designed all of their book covers. I met all of them personally, had time to, uh, to see behind the scenes at Brownsville and Toronto and all of that. I personally interviewed most of those leaders, um, and I saw everything firsthand from behind the scenes, which was really interesting because there was a lot going on there that I couldn't explain. Um, I knew somehow that there was an underlying something. I just didn't know what it was. But because of those experiences, it forged um, a set of reference points. I think that's a, probably a good way of saying it. It formed a set of reference points in me that I used later to qualify a lot of experiences that I had personally, which uh, started in around 1997, where um, I was here at my house where I live now, although Kristen and I built an addition and everything, so it's much bigger now, but... Um, we were here, had only lived here a couple years, and uh, there was this one night in particular, I don't remember exactly what night it was, but I uh, 
had this real heavy kind of feeling, for lack of a better way of saying it, um, that like something had a message for me. We'll, we'll say God had a message for me. And um, up until this time, or well, I, I guess it was a one, one small component that I forgot that I'll mention now and then come back to the, the house story. Um, in 1986, like from the time I was barely a, an adult, I had this underlying belief that I was called to teach. I didn't necessarily know what that meant. I assumed that it would, it meant because of my upbringing and everything that I would be a Bible teacher. And so, um, in 1986, I decided to pull the trigger and take this step, um, to make that a reality. And so I went to, uh, Rama Bible training center in Tulsa, Oklahoma to become a teacher. Well, a teacher of the Bible. Uh, long story short, I fell flat on my face with that. Um, ultimately realized that it was a, a big mistake that I had made, not in choosing to want to teach, but um, in going there. And not because there was a bad place, it was more timing for me. Um, the timing was wrong. And uh, But one of the events that happened while I was there is really pivotal to pretty much everything else following um that we'll get into um whenever i was in class like some of my classmates were already on a speaking circuit and flying on the weekends flying out all over the country and then coming back for class during the week and um which i thought was cool but uh they would often have these conversations about you know well god told me this and you know, last night while I was praying, you know, this, this thought came to me or this download came to me and I heard God's voice and blah, blah, blah. Well, I wasn't getting any of that stuff. Like I didn't, didn't even know what in the world they were talking about, you know? And, uh, I mean, I read Bible scriptures that talked about the still small voice and all of that, but to have, you know, the creator of the universe based on my context, um, actually having a conversation with me in my head. Like I had no idea what in the world that was. And so one day I decided I, uh, I was still at that point in time living in a hotel room because I didn't have money to get a, uh, an apartment. So, um, I'm living in this hotel room. And one day I decided that I was not leaving the room until God spoke to me. It sounds so stupid now, looking back. Uh, I mean, this is 1986. So, um, interesting, now that I think about it, it was just 10 years after my initial exposure to resonance and stuff. Huh, hadn't thought about that. But anyway, so I'm praying, you know, like this is a long day, right? I started in the morning and I went throughout the day, you know, and I'm, Praying, pleading, begging, crying, yelling, screaming, you know, whimpering. <laughs> it was a pretty sad state of affairs. Pretty pathetic, you know. I remember one point, it's embarrassing to say, but I remember one point I'm like laying on the floor because I didn't have furniture. 
uh, laying on the floor, you know, saying, why won't you talk to me? Why can't I hear you? You know, and all this kind of stuff. It, it was just really sad. And, um, and so finally, I just ran out of energy. You know, like I just exhausted myself mentally, emotionally, all of that. And just stopped. I just stopped. And within, gosh, a minute, if even that, I hear in my head this voice, which I can't describe, but I hear in my head, are you done now? Or are you done yet? I forget how they said it. Are you done now? And like I sat straight up and I'm like, God, is that you? And uh, later on went on to say um, about, you know, not being able to get a word in edgewise and all of this kind of stuff. So, um, so the first time I ever heard anything, if you will, in my mind uh, was, uh, are you done now? So great revelation there. Uh, but anyway, so fast forward back, um, because that experience is really key to a lot of things that happen later, including now. Um, so fast forward back, I had this sense that something was going on. I wasn't being told anything, really, uh, other than just this prompting that I needed to get away from family and just like go down into the basement. So I did that. And uh, so I'm walking around our basement downstairs. And, you know, I'm like, what is it? What's, you know, what is, what is this? Is there a message or what's going on? And uh, all of a sudden I saw this picture. And um, the, the picture was really interesting because it wasn't just like a photograph. Um, there was information connected to the picture. Um, in a way that I had not experienced before. And my mind immediately like locked up. It was like, oh, what's this? And locked up. And so what I discovered later over time is that I had to be spoon-fed this picture in pieces so that I could see what the whole picture was. And ultimately, what I discovered was is that I was being shown how to see visions. That's ultimately what, what it was. And this first vision was um, of a gate. Um, it was a gate that was partly open. There was a, a sword in the middle of the opening. And then there was a tree behind the gate that had all kinds of weird... It was a really weird-looking tree. Different colors of leaves and all of that. Not like fall, but it was just really different-looking. And so once I've finally got to the point where I was able to look at this whole picture without my brain seizing up. Um, that kind of began a, uh, an avalanche of downloads that lasted for nearly a year where sometimes daily, sometimes three or four times a week, uh, it almost seemed like every time I closed my eyes, I would see these little mini movies or, these snapshots or whatever. And so I started documenting them and uh, writing them all down. And there's dozens and dozens. Um, some of them, you know, even looking back today, make 
little sense to me and others are kind of like holy cow moments. Um, but in the midst of all of that, kind of actually toward the end of that cycle, I was still working for the publishing company. And uh, I've shared this story as well, but again, it's kind of integral to where we're headed. Um, there was a, a cover that I was working on, and I don't remember what the book cover was. Um, but I do remember that I put my head down uh, on my desk. Uh, there was another guy, Jeff, working with me. I had trained him in doing some of the design work as well. And so I put my head down uh, just to kind of block out everything and kind of get focused. Like I had already started learning how to really focus my mind and shut off distraction. And I had been having this series of um, visions, for lack of a better way of calling them, or better thing to call them, where I was exploring this area. Um, there was a, a beach um, that came up to, I guess, what you would say was a, an ocean, for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, and off in the distance in the ocean, there was an island. Uh, the beach, uh, kind of along the uh, one edge of it, had a series of rocks, larger rocks, some of which were smaller that you could sit on. And then back from the rocks, it kind of led onto a small path that took you into a cave. And the cave had multiple chambers in it, including a waterfall, which was very interesting that if you jump into the waterfall, ultimately landed you out in the ocean. Um, I know that because I was told to jump in that waterfall at one point, and that's where I ended up. Um, but there were also other chambers. Um, there was a, a jungle area past where the cave was. I can describe, I see it as clearly today as I did then. And we're talking um, in the late 90s. Uh, and I explored that whole area um, over the course of many visions. So I'm very familiar with it. It's like a real place to me, even though it probably isn't. Um, but anyways, th so this one time, uh, I'm meditating on this book cover to create, have my head down, and immediately I'm like back on the shoreline. Very familiar. I'm there, except there's a, a person standing next to me. Um, at the time, I believed that the person next to me was Jesus. Because, again, context. That was my context. Um, today, however, I don't believe that it was him. I, um, matter of fact, I was just told last week that it wasn't Jesus at all, that it was actually um, a higher version of myself. Uh, but anyways, it's immaterial. Um, so I'm standing there with this man, and he said, tell me what you can see. And so I described um, the scene, and it just looked like a, a city on this island, and, and it was glowing, and lots of lights and everything. And so then this man put his hands over my eyes, and then removed his hands and said, now tell me what you see. And whenever I looked up at the city again, I was like smacked with this light. Like the light wasn't like what I had seen before. It was 
I can't. I can't describe it. But what was in what was interesting about the light was that there was. I always say that there's information in the light, but that's actually really not accurate. Um, the accurate way to say it would be that there was knowing in the light. Like, it wasn't like I was just seeing something and then this information was hitting me as well. Like, I knew stuff. You know, I understood and I knew stuff. But it was so strong and so bright that it startled me. And um, I literally jumped back, uh, jumped up and back. And uh, the chair that I was sitting in went flying across the room, scared the daylights out of Jeff. Um, and he's like, what's going on? Are you okay? And I couldn't speak for two hours. Um, other than like single syllable words, uh, occasionally. And it was really weird and frustrating. Um, because I would, basically what happened was I was on complete overload. I, it would just tilted my brain out. Um, kind of like the vision experience a couple years earlier, except at a much larger scale. And um, I kind of felt in that moment like I knew all the secrets of the universe simultaneously. And that if, if you had asked me any question and I was actually able to answer, I could have given you that answer. But I didn't have a container that could really hold that much information. That was my later understanding. And so I remember as time went on, it felt like, literally felt like this information was draining out of me, like I could feel it. And it was a very weird feeling, very weird experience. Um, also very depressing, you know, because immediately my mind, like after the fact and after I started looking back at that experience, like that night and the next day and stuff. It actually put me in a bit of a depression because I judged myself as not worthy for this experience or whatever. And nothing could be further from the truth. But again, context is everything. You know, you have to understand that we can't help ourselves, but process data input based on our current biases and our current contexts. That's just the way it is. It isn't right or wrong. It's just how it is. Um, and so to me, that's good news because as we grow and mature and our context change, uh, we can more aptly process events that happened pre in previous times. And that's what I've been experiencing lately. So um, that wasn't the only time where I had that experience with the light uh, in that form, except I had... I visited that same experience on two other occasions, except in those two other occasions, I was given sunglasses so that I could see little bits and pieces of what was going on with the light. Um, and so uh, I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it all meant. Um, but over the next several years, I continued to have... Um, a lot of vision experiences, a lot of really weird dreams. Um, some of them were more obvious than others. Some of them were very alien in some respects. Um, 
And uh, we'll talk about some of those uh, as we go through this experience, because uh, quite frankly, um, just even with the notes I have, we could talk for the next several days, um, excuse me, nonstop. But I want to present the information in a way that isn't just me talking, um, but it's helpful for you as well. And, and another thing, too, that I probably should have said um, at the beginning is that one of the reasons why I wanted to share this uh, and uh, talk through it isn't to, you know, confirm your suspicions that I was insane, <laughs> but more so to just talk it out. Because one of the things that I found is that a couple things. One is that as we talk through experiences, we can gain further clarity. But in many cases, it also will resonate with other people. Uh, and there's a reason for that that we'll get into later. Um, and so that resonating effect is also what I'm interested in. Because I know that there's uh, a number of you all, and some of you I definitely see here today, um, that are very like-minded to some of the experiences that I've had. And so to me, um, there's benefit in that because we can kind of, if you will, walk hand in hand through some of the things that we're experiencing to not only gain better perspective of what in the world's going on, but to, um, to help push each other forward in new ways that we probably could not achieve on our own. Uh, and so I see that as a huge benefit in, sharing this publicly and interacting. Now, um, as I mentioned at the beginning, understand that this has nothing to do with what I normally teach in business and all of that, okay? Uh, although it also has everything to do with it. Um, <laughs> but this isn't a business class or anything like that. And um, I also understand that there's going to be things that I share that you won't agree with, and I'm fine with that. Um that's just how it is. We all have our own individual journey. And it's for none of us to dictate how another person's journey should appear. Because how could you possibly know? You know, how could you possibly know? So, um, so those uh, series of experiences really um, had a lot to do with shaping my understanding of things and how I viewed things and thought about things. And um, it ultimately laid the foundation for a, a number of downloads that I started getting um, in 2001 uh, that uh, started off talking about scrolling notes. Uh, I started getting some interesting insights into music. Um, I'm not really much of a musician. I was a drummer in school, but um, there was, I was starting to recognize some things about vibration and how, you know, we think of music as singing and songs and all of that kind of stuff. And that's certainly correct. But, um, I was also studying around the same time linguistics and language and all of that and realized that even language is a form of song. 
obviously birds singing or form a song, but even like wind blowing through tree leaves is a type of, of song and, you know, all of that. And so I was doing a lot of meditating on all of that and just really um, starting to allow some of that to um, to grow, I guess, inside me. And then around 2003, I started, at very beginning of 2003, I started getting these um, downloads called um, The Seven Keys to Understanding the Secrets of the Universe. Not the secrets, okay? Um, but keys to understanding the secrets. <laughs> and so those downloads lasted for about six months. And um, I actually taught a local class on all of those uh, back then, a little bit later, a year or so later. And, uh, and then along with that, I was doing more study on language and how it connects to spirituality, which ultimately leads into vibration and those kinds of things. So, um, all of that to say that I've been pushing into this for a really, really long time, just really groping through the dark, um, not really even knowing or understanding what it is that I would discover or find out or whatever. So um, I'm going to fast forward to about, where do I want to fast forward to? About a month ago, or do I want to go, hold on. So many notes, holy cow. One thing that was interesting is that there is about a, um, a 13 year gap. No, wait. Yeah. There's about a 13, 12, there's about a 12 year gap, I guess, of when all the dreams and visions stopped. And, um, I was curious about that uh, because it seems odd to me because a lot of my adult life has has been receiving these dreams and visions. I mean, they had stopped at one other point in the late 90s for a couple of years, but, um, but then they started up again in 2001. Um, but then they just kind of all shut down uh, like in... Um, 2009 and at first I didn't understand why uh, and then ultimately I got it um, there was two reasons one was because that was the year that my dad died and um, it really took me off my game um, and then um, so actually I guess it wasn't see nine 17, so eight years. Um, but it took me off my game. But also, I was kind of like, that's when I started my business and um, really started getting into all of that. And I kind of lost my way because um, the same year, got a divorce, all of that kind of stuff. And so I went into this discovery mode of sorts. It wasn't that the downloads weren't available it's that i wasn't tuned into them 
I was trying to figure out who the hell I was. And, uh, fortunately I finally figured that out. Um, but, um, I had, um, one dream that was, uh, very, very interesting. It was in 2017. Um, but just really, it was, it was almost like a standalone, but it was significant from the perspective of what has come over the last month. Uh, and in this dream, uh, it was, it was one of those, uh, weirdo flying saucer kind of dreams, um, which I've had several. And, uh, I was, I was in a location at this location and I was there to have a procedure done. And, um, so this procedure involved my eyes and, uh, the, the doctor told me that, um, that it was to help increase the sensitivity to my vision. Um, this is an ongoing theme with me. Um, there was another time back in the late nineties where one of our authors had come to visit and he was a prophetic kind of guy. And, um, I had had a dream the night before and where I was up on top of this mountain. And I was told that I was on top of the mountain because I was being given a new way to see things and all of this kind of stuff. And so the next day, this prophetic guy shows up at, at work and we have this employee meeting with him speaking to us. And I was right on the front row and he just pointed at me and said, the Lord says, I have taken you up on a mountain and I've shown you things other people haven't seen because I'm teaching you a new way to see. And he just kept going on and on and on. I mean, you could have bought me for a nickel. Um, so this has been a recurring theme for me. Um, but, um, so they're working on my eyes. Uh, it seemed like it took a while. I had no idea what they were doing. There wasn't any pain or anything like that. Um, uh, I was told that my eyes wouldn't be more sensitive to light, but it was expanding the wavelengths that I would be able to see. And so, uh, once the procedure was finished, I would told, I was told that it would only last for 26 days. And, uh, I was left in a room to recover and there were no lights on, but there was a big window. And, uh, in this window, I was looking out the window, um, and it was the weirdest thing. I still remember very clearly today, uh, even though it was three years ago. Um, I was looking up at the stars, but there wasn't just stars there. There were ships, like lots and lots and lots of space traffic, all kinds of ships everywhere. Some were flying across the sky. Some were like in er erratic patterns. Others were taking off or landing. I mean, literally thousands. It was like uh, L.A. traffic at rush hour, except spaceships. And um, so uh, the doctor had asked me what I was seeing, and I described uh, everything to him as I saw it. But I could also see, like, galaxies and nebulas, like with my naked eye. Uh, it seemed like I was able to look deep into space, but 
it was uh, actually layers of history, which technically, I guess, if you think about speed of light going through the universe at the speed of light, you are going back in history. Um, but so I'm seeing all of this stuff and everything was layered on top of each other and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and so I could, uh, in that moment, I could see like the faintest of light reflections. It was just crazy. And, um, they told me that the doctor told me, um, again, that this experience would last 26 days and that they needed to schedule me to come in for a full treatment that would, um, make the difference of, you know, me being able to see this way permanently. That has not taken place to my knowledge in the experience of a dream anyway, unless what I've been receiving lately is that experience. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so after that I woke up and, um, I, I didn't really have much of anything, at least that I noted in journals or anything like that for another full year or no, for another, actually for a couple in a couple months. And then it stopped. Um, I had a second dream where I held, uh, several devices that created gravitational bubbles, uh, and it enabled levitation based on resonance frequency. So this was a really interesting one. Um, the device was about the size of a flashlight, but it could perform a scan on people to determine their frequency set. And then using that information, it would create an anti-gravity bubble that would enable people, cars, whatever to levitate. Um, and then there was a type of propulsion that would allow you to move forward. That was based on electromagnetics somehow. Um, in the dream, I asked a question of the role that mass played, but, um, thinking like, you know, something big would require a bigger device or anything like that. But, uh, what I was told was that mass had nothing to do with it. Um, and that our current physics equations that are based on mass are all wrong and that the device worked exclusively through resonance frequencies. Now, I'd love to tell you that I got the blueprints on that. Uh, so that I could build one, but I didn't. Um, and then that was it for two years. And um, what happened um, two years later, almost two and a half years later, I guess, was in August of this year. So that was foundation, everything that I just kind of shared. And we're going to revisit some of those dreams and visions, different ones that I haven't shared because there's dozens and dozens. But, um, in August of this year, I had a really, for lack of a better way of saying it, an unsettling experience, um, unsettling only from the perspective that it really shook me. Um, I couldn't talk about it. It was a lot like the, uh, the experience that I had, which I've since labeled first light. Um, where I saw the light and the information in it. Uh, and what I saw, uh, I was taken to this place um, that was told to me was the library. 
I had been taken to other places before, um, like a dome city and stuff like that. And I'll talk about those another time. Um, cause I've been back there recently. Um, but what I was told, um, in August was this library is where all knowledge is stored. Uh, every book, every work of art, every dream, every idea, everything that defines man, past, present, and future, dreams, visions, prophecies, archetypes, symbols, you name it, you think it, it's there. Um, everyone has basic access to this library. Um, some have more access than others, and fewer still can access it at will, anytime that they want. What I've learned is that their uh, access has absolutely nothing to do with deservedness or that you're special or not special or anything like that at all. It has everything to do with vibration. And we'll get into that in a lot more detail um, later. Um, it's like, think of it, I, I'll say this much, think of it as a key. Um you have uh, a key that works in a door and you can stick it in. You can unlock the door and walk through it. But chances are that the key won't unlock the next door. That requires a different key. Um, you could have a master skeleton key, but you don't. You only have that one key. Somebody hands you the second key, you're good to unlock the second door. Library kind of works that way, except that the keys are vibrations. Um, vibration is controlled by belief and a lot of other things. I'll get into all those definitions. Um, and so, uh, what I was shown was that every experience that I had had up until that point, along with every experience that everybody who has ever lived and ever will live has ever had or will have is all in that library. I didn't understand that uh, whenever I was shown it. I, that was explained to me later of what that actually meant and how that could even be true. Because my thought, right, and, and even with the picture that I saw, um, you would think like a library that contains everything has to be massive, right? I mean, that makes sense. I mean, you know, like you would picture, okay, so cars are things, you know, so you have like, you know, I like Mustangs. So you think like every year and every color of every Mustang that's ever existed. I mean, that'd be one hell of a parking lot, you know, and that's just one car. Um, but it isn't like that. It actually doesn't function like that at all. Um, there were physical representations of things that I saw in that vision while I was there in the library but that's only because my um, my mind was giving uh, was revealing those in that form. Um, what I later discovered is something like how the library actually works is much much more simple, and that's one of the things that I've discovered in this experience is that we make uh, spirituality and and um, belief systems and um, how we think and all of that, we make it so hard. We assign so many rules that this is the right way or this is the wrong way and all of that. And most of it is BS. 
because the what I found is that the more I dig into this, the more simplistic I discover that it is. Just incredibly, incredibly simple. Um, which actually makes sense. Uh, it works on very basic systems. Um, there, there is no right or wrong uh, within the context of the library, but there is cause and effect. Um, so right and wrong, good and evil. We'll talk about those later as well. Very interesting constructs. But um, right and wrong, definitely not, because it's completely subjective. You know, what's what you would consider wrong, I don't, and vice versa. Um, or it depends on who you're talking to or what their ultimate agenda is. So you have to move away from all of that kind of stuff to truly appreciate what the library contains for us. Because every idea, I mean, think about it. You can get as specific as you want to uh, when it comes to this information. You want to write a new book? Fine. The book already exists in the library. Just tap into it, plug into it. I've done that with book covers in the past. Didn't realize what I was doing. Um, you want to create a new widget that transforms the world or whatever? It's already there. It's just a matter of us connecting to it. And that sounds hard and we make it hard, but it's actually easy and I'll explain it because I've been asking a lot of questions. Some of the downloads come just as that, like shut up and listen kind of thing almost. They don't say that, but it's kind of like that. And in the meantime, I, my brain is like a third party observer is going, holy crap, <laughs> you know, this is insane. Um, and then there's other times so I'll ask questions, but I don't ask questions a lot. Only because, like, I know, I know me, you know, and many of us are, are like rabbit trail people, right? Uh, bright, shiny. And so we're like, well, what about this? And what about this? And it's like, we'll, we'll get to that, <laughs> you know, just let's work with the system. It's all about flow. The library works through flow, which is a, a spiritual principle. Um, and so anyway, uh, that part has been very interesting to me. And um, one of the things that um, some have said to me um, are things like, you know, whether or not the, uh, the library is like the Akashic Records or something like that. And uh, I asked the powers that be, they, whoever they are, um, I asked them about that specifically. Uh, and I was told that um, the Akashic Records are, in a sense, um, include human knowledge and soul knowledge. And that we have access to them because we're humans. But that um, that information is just one room of many in the library. Like we're not the only life forms in the universe here. And so as a result, there are other parts of the library that uh, other life forms can access that we can't unless our vibration aligns with that room in a way that unlocks that knowledge. Now, I don't want to get into any deep specifics today because we're talking about multidimensional things and all of that. But um, just suffice it to say that 
there's a lot more information there than what we would even assume is there. Um, there's not any doors or portals or anything like that um, for us to go into those other rooms or not. That's not what's preventing us uh, to access them. It's two things. One is that we don't have the correct vibration. Two is that we don't have the context to process it. How could you process information from another alien race across the universe if you've never met them, never seen them, never been to their planet, never understood their history or anything about them? How could you possibly understand or access that? It just makes zero sense. So, excuse me, my throat's dry. Um, so anyway, we'll just suffice it to say that it's there. Um, now, one of the things that uh, I'll probably wrap up with this. Um, one of the things that really got me going with all of this was... Um, I guess this was at the end of September. So just a few weeks ago, um, I woke up early. Um, I'm pretty much a morning person, so that wasn't a big surprise, but, um, I reached for my water bottle and, um, this thought popped into my mind, this same voice that's been talking to me ever since that weird day in the hotel out in Tulsa. And they said, want some answers? And, uh, of course, my normal response would be, absolutely, yes. Um, but my immediate thought was, it depends. Uh, because <laughs> I was still really sleepy. Um, and so I reached for my phone to check the time, and it was 4.44. And I learned a long time ago that it's important to pay attention to numbers, especially whenever they're in triplets and stuff like that. And so the moment I saw that it was 444, my first thought was, crap, this is, this is legit something going down. Um, so I got up, I stumbled toward the bathroom. Uh, first thing I did on my phone was uh, type in a quick search for the meaning of 444. And the first thing that popped up, I mean, there's any number of definitions. Um, but the first one that popped up to me, uh, on my phone was a sign. Someone is trying to communicate with you. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's fine. That's great. So I, I came into my office here, opened up Evernote and basically said, what answers do you have to share given all the secrets of the universe? And that was kind of the big beginning of the downloads that I've been receiving recently was that day. Now they're not all at 444. Thankfully, I'm grateful for that. Um, because I've ultimately learned that, you know, we humans tend to categorize things. And so I was like, oh, well, if I don't get it at 444, then I'm not going to get it. They don't care. You know, well, I want to sleep in today. And I feel kind of bad, but I'm really tired because I worked really hard. 
uh, or, or I'll get to them later. They don't care. The li We'll just say the library. The library is talking to me. It don't care what time it talks to me because they set outside of time. It's completely outside of time. The reason why early morning works so well in most cases is because I haven't had time to pollute my brain with the news of the day and all of the other craziness, right? Uh, so it's a more pure flow. That's it. That's the whole reason why it happens in the morning. It's not like some kind of sacred, you know, consecration or something. It's that I haven't gotten out of bed yet to focus on other stuff. I've gotten downloads at night, um, in the middle of the day, um, whenever. So it has nothing to do with any of that kind of stuff. Oh, and the other thing that I want to mention is that I'm not special in getting these things. Uh, all of you have the same access to this stuff that I do. And there's many, uh, many others on the planet that are much further ahead with some of this stuff than I am. And I understand that. It's not a competition. You know, I'm, I'm responsible for what I receive and what comes to me. Now, I have been asking over the last two days specifically some very practical application kinds of questions you know like this is all well and good you know but you know last i checked i don't really need to invent a teleportation device today what i need to know is what class am i supposed to teach next <laughs> you know i mean it's more like down earth practical um, and I've been shown some very interesting things regarding to that, and we'll get to, to some of that. Um, one of the things that, uh, let me see here. One other thing that I will share that actually this happened the day before the 444 thing. Um, and we'll kind of wrap up with, with this, cause I think it's a good wrap up. So, um, Years ago, it was in the late 90s, one of the more interesting experiences that I had was um, I had gotten home from work. I was really tired. Um, I was sitting on the couch and put my head back. And um, whenever I put my head back, I was immediately in this other place. Um, which I fondly refer to as the dome. And what this dome was, uh, it was very, it was a very interesting, interesting experience because all of a sudden I'm standing in front of this ginormous, uh, white dome and, um, as I'm standing there just trying to take in what in the world it was that I was even seeing this woman walks up and introduces herself to me as Ruth. Now, I don't know if the name has any significance necessarily, um, because, uh, it just so happened that at the time this experience took place, I, um, was listening to violin music that was being played by a woman named Ruth Faisal. 
she's a, a Christian artist. She did, uh, she's done a, a number of albums. I think the one that I was listening to was called Songs from the River, Volume 1 or something like that. But anyway, um, so this gal Ruth comes up to me and uh, she says, uh, she introduces herself basically. She says, uh, hello, my name is Ruth. And I said, I'm Tony. And she says, oh, I know who you are. I'm like, okay, that's cool. She's like, um, he's waiting for you. I have somebody for you to meet. I'm like, okay. So I'm walking along and we're going around the outside of this dome. And the dome is huge. I mean, it's a couple miles across, probably easily. And I would say um, a half a mile high. I mean, it was huge. And all kinds of, pardon me, all kinds of stuff going on in it. A lot of activity, a lot of other, I'll say people, not necessarily, but people, angels, whatever. Um, there were beings flying in the space and all of that kind of stuff. So we're, we're walking along the outside of this dome, and I don't remember the conversation, all of it or anything, but what I do remember is that uh, one of my daughters came in and started shaking my leg. Dad, dad, dad. And so I came out of this experience like, what? What do you want? She asked me some stupid question. And so I answered her and then laid my head back and closed my eyes. And immediately I was in that same spot again. And I looked over to Ruth and apologized and said, sorry about that. And she said, oh, it's okay. I understand what it's like to live in two different realms simultaneously. And I thought that was a very interesting statement. So uh, she continues to take me around this dome. And then we come to this doorway. We walk through it. And all of a sudden, we're in this dimly lit tunnel of sorts. And uh, it's like there's these bare bulbs strung along the ceiling. And off to the side there was like this movement, like um, three-dimensional shapes that were uh, like three-dimensional shapes of light, for lack of a better way of describing it. And they were everywhere. And I'm walking around, or walking through, following Ruth, and um, looking at these things, but I have no idea what they are. It just looks like three-dimensional shapes. And so finally we come through this tunnel and it opens up into this massive room. Again, I mean, the sizes are, were crazy in this room and everything was made out of wood, like different kinds of wood. And I noticed up in the distance, there was like this waterfall and trees and stuff in the, in this room. Um, and I saw this man standing there and he looks up at me and he comes running over to me and uh, kind of like slides up to where I was, you know. <coughs> and um, so Ruth walks away and this guy who at the time that I had this experience assumed was again Jesus. Um, just based on appearance, that's really it, you know dark, long hair, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but anyways, so he looks at me and he grabs my hand and he says, come on, do you want to see him? And I'm like, 
see who? And he's like, come on. And we go running over and here we are standing in front of this giant waterfall surrounded by trees and plants and all kinds of stuff and birds singing and everything. And then at the top, there's like this brilliant glow of white light, which at the time I assumed was like God, you know, here I am standing in front of the creator of the universe. And, um, I have no reason to believe it was anything other than that, but you know, everybody's definition of God is different. Um, so anyways, this person, Jesus or whoever says, go ahead, ask him anything you want. He'll tell you. Now, um, one caveat here that I will say is that if you're ever given the opportunity to ask the creator of the universe, any question at all, do not ask the question that I did. I was so captivated by those moving 3D light things in the tunnel <laughs> that that became my question. What was those things in that tunnel over there? Literally what I said. What were those things in that tunnel over there? And immediately, boom, everything ended. Just like that. I'm like, crap, that was the wrong question, <laughs> you know? And so that's the only time that I uh, that I ever had that experience. The only time I ever encountered Ruth. The only time I was ever in the wooden room or anything like that. Um, until a few weeks ago. So, oh, and one other thing I should tell you about this. So, um... That was over a weekend. Monday, I went back into work. Destiny Image, the gal who uh, shared the room with me, Nikki, uh, also an artist, daughter of the general manager. And um, I said, I had this really weird vision experience to share with you. And she's like, well, I had a weird dream too. And I said, well, you go first. Ladies first. So she started describing in her dream my experience. Started talking about this dome and meeting this woman named Ruth and going through this tunnel. And I'm like, hold on. Are you kidding right now? And I started ans completing her, her statements. She's like, how are you doing that? And I'm like, I had the same experience, except as a vision, not as a dream. And I said, but let me ask you something. When you were walking through the tunnel... Did you see like moving 3D shapes? And she's like, no, they were sculptures. I said, what do you mean they were sculptures? She's like, it was like people that were being sculpted. They were being formed into who they're supposed to be, but they were incomplete. And I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But ultimately what I discovered was that a lot of times we see things in a certain way because that's how we choose to see them. Uh, it's through conditioning, it's through context, it's through our belief systems, it's through all of that. And so we develop tunnel vision. I mean, that's how, you know, you can have one person think, uh, you know, you're talking about one person and somebody thinks that they're an ass and another person thinks they're the greatest thing ever. Like, how can you get polar opposite opinions of the same individual? 
it ultimately has to do with biases and all of that kind of stuff. So as a result, you have to understand that that impacts how you see things. Okay. Uh, it just, that's how it is. And so anyway, she went on to describe literally the exact same experience where she was taken up to the throne or whatever. She asked a much better question than I did. I don't remember what hers was now, but why did we both have the same experience? I believe that it was to validate it, that this was a legit something that happened because what are the odds? of her and I having the same experience in di two different forms. Same people, same surroundings, same everything. If anything, it points to the fact that this is a real place somewhere. Maybe not in a physical sense, but, you know. And we'll talk a lot more about that later, too. But anyway, so uh, November 23rd, I revisited the Dome. Um, I figured that I've wanted to go back many, many times. I've asked to go back. I've prayed to go back. I've meditated, trying to picture it in my mind and nothing has worked. Um, until November or September 23rd, I wasn't even thinking about it. And all of a sudden there I am. And I thought that I might be greeted by Ruth again, but I wasn't. Now I wasn't listening to any music or anything like that. This was actually a dream. Um, and in this case, I wasn't greeted by Ruth. I was uh, greeted by a young blonde woman uh, named Autumn. And uh, her hair was almost white. And Autumn informed me that the uh, dome structure, which we were standing in one, was only one of many. And uh, whenever she said that, we started rising up above the dome like a like you would a drone you know like a how a drone goes up if you've ever done that it was kind of like that and so we went higher and higher and i saw that there were actually hundreds uh if not thousands of these domes like everywhere and finally got to a high enough point where they just look like cells excuse me like cells in your body uh and then all of a sudden i'm back on the ground again in front of uh autumn and I kept hearing this music, but I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And all of a sudden I knew that the air was actually pregnant with vibrations. And these, they were like potential vibrations um, that were only activated as I walked through the space. So like, imagine this for a second. You're outside, okay? nice gentle breeze blowing or whatever and everywhere you walk as you pass through space your interaction with the air creates music that has to be unique to you because there's only one you so that's what was going on in this experience um just as i was walking around music was being created by me interacting with the air. And it was unique to me because, you know, I have my own frequencies and vibrations that are different than you. Um, and then another thing that I was told by Autumn before this ended, which I've kind of shared this before, was that, um, that the library uh, contained 
uh, all the information regarding every person who ever lived or ever will live. So every thought, every experience, every emotion, every word shared by every person is contained in an accessible, keyword there, accessible in the library. Now that's pretty damn mind blowing if you ask me. Um, but it doesn't just include all of that. Now, uh, one last thing I'm going to share and we're going to wrap it up because we're heading toward the bottom of the hour. As I'm getting these downloads and this information, um, I've been struggling to write it down. And the reason why is because I'm receiving a lot in multiple forms simultaneously. And um, I'm grateful that I hear these sentences and I write them down as I hear them in my mind, mind's eye or whatever, the voices inside my head, if you will. <laughs> it sounds so crazy to say that, but um, at the same time, I'm hearing words. I'm also seeing pictures and the pictures are what's the challenge because they're not just photographs like you could take a photograph of anything, right? And, and show it to people and they'd say, oh yeah, like if you photograph my desk right now, you know, you would see the computer and everything on the screen and the keyboard and my phone and the microphone and all that kind of stuff, right? And people could identify that if they've seen those kinds of things before. Uh, so very easy. But imagine that you have access to a photograph, but the photograph contains obviously everything that you can see, but also all the underlying information behind everything that's in that photograph, all the emotions surrounding everything that's in the photograph, and all of the knowledge necessary to create all the information in the photograph, and that you see all that simultaneously, like you know it, like instant, boom, done. Or like, this is an analogy that I used with Kristen the other day. So she reads a lot of books. She's reading this one now. I forget what it's called. And I said, so imagine, like you, you look at the book and you see the cover. Uh, and you can read the back cover and everything. And you see that it's, you know, 180 pages or 200 pages or whatever. And that's fine. And if you read through the book or listen to it on audio form or whatever, you get the information you can read it, process it, whatever. And that's what we all normally do. But imagine if I could take that book and all of a sudden, in an instant, not only download the words of the book, but the intent behind them, the emotion behind them, the... uh development of those experiences over time and the impact that all of that will ultimately have on the readers who read that book. The visuals behind that, so the visuals that the words create, imagine if I could take all of that information and download it all into your brain in an instant.
Okay. That's what these pictures are like. And every time I will not, by the way, be talking about or tr attempting to describe any of the pictures that I see. <clears throat> Mostly because I can't. Every time I try, I can't speak. I tried just the other day again, figuring, oh, I've been getting these downloads for a while. I'm getting good at this. And so normally, like today, man, I bet I saw five or six. And the information is so intense in them that even trying to write it down and describe it is extremely challenging. And so, like, every time I try to tell Kristen what I'm seeing rather than what I'm hearing, I cry. I can't control the emotion. Like, it shuts me down. I literally, even just in my mind's eye, kind of, like, barely turning my head in that general direction of that picture shuts me down. Can't talk about it. So the vision experience where I was actually taken to the library and shown it, can't talk about it. It's impossible. We would have to have like a mind meld in order to get that information. And so as a result, now I'm not saying it'll always be that way. I'm learning just like, you know, many of us are. And so, you know, the powers that be are gracious enough to break this stuff down into words that I can type out. The problem is, and what I'm really discovering, and today was a really great example of this, today's download, is just how limiting words are. You, the level of information, I need to be really careful here. The level of information that's really available to us at any given moment is so much greater than reading a couple paragraphs on a page. Like, uh, sometimes I might write three or four paragraphs, and that's awesome, you know, 1,200 words, yeah, whatever. But if I could actually put to word and actually be able to explain everything that I'm getting in a snapshot, it'd be a 100,000-word book every single time, if not more. Because I, I'm still having a hard time explaining it, just because I keep using the word data, and I don't know that that's actually correct, because there's there's like emotion attached to it somehow. There's understanding attached to it. But that aside, <laughs> all those pictures aside, um, I'm still getting a lot of really cool shit. So <laughs> over the next several weeks, we're going to dig into some of this more. Um, I will give you a couple hints just as kind of a setup. Let me scroll down through some of my notes. One thing that's uh, kind of cool is um, you've, some of you have probably heard um, people talking about ascension and that that is where humanity is headed toward ascending or ascension. I've read it and I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. 
Um, didn't really understand what that even meant, but it's been explained to me. So we'll talk about that, what that means. Um, we'll talk about, um, oh, what else do we got here? There's a lot of, um, absolutes that have been shared with me. Um, trying to find, uh. Well, they don't call them absolutes. They call them constants. Um, for example, one of the constants that they uh, talk to me about is flow. I mentioned that earlier. I've talked about that before. Uh, but there is uh, also constants, uh, a lot of them. I don't have them all yet. Um, and then uh, there are also these... Uh, these other elements that they're kind of like for lack of a better way of describing them at the top of the food chain uh they're they're kind of they're kind of like constants but not really let me think of a better way of describing them this is why we have to do this over time is because even though i'm getting these downloads and i have somebody else who's reading them along with me just kind of to help um uh, basically, it's expressions of the library, how we connect to the library, and how we materialize what's in the library. There's three components. And so we will talk about all three of those in detail because I've gotten a lot of information on those. And um, what else? whether or not there really are other places that we can travel to that may or may not exist in physical form. Uh, we'll talk about that. Um, I did get some very interesting insights on advanced technologies like transporters and holodecks, like Star Trek type stuff. Um, so we may get to that at some point. Uh, I'm just scrolling. <laughs> There's a lot of information here, but I just kind of want to give you some cookies, so to speak. Oh, one thing too, it's really interesting. Um, I've actually been given a lot of Bible verses over the course of these downloads <coughs> to the point where it surprised me. Um, because I didn't necessarily believe or accept the fact that this was just God downloading, you know, God in a cr traditional Christian sense. And um, what I was told, because I literally specifically said, you've been using a lot of Bible references. Why is that? And um, what they said was, uh, this is exactly what I was told. Uh, it provides context that you understand. Uh, every spiritual text offers truth that helps you align. That's why they exist. Even in their man-filtered imperfect, imperfectness to help you align to higher vibrations. And, so, I mean, I grew up in a Christian household and, I mean, you know, co-pastor to church and all of that. So, I'm familiar with that. 
and so um, a lot of verses have been given to me as context and they make perfect sense in what's being shared so it's kind of interesting um there's so much holy cow we've been busy the last couple of weeks so anyway there's a lot more to come um today was a little disjointed I think only because I needed to explain some foundation for why this is happening um, or what it means or anything like that. Um, Kathleen says, I find that verbal descriptions of spiritual experiences can be deceptive. Uh, people who hear or read them tend to assume they understand an experience from a description and then that False knowing keeps them from truly experiencing it themselves because actual spiritual experiences are subtle. They aren't like watching a TV show and thinking you already know can interfere with actually perceiving them. That is 100% correct. And that's been my experience. That's why me sharing this, I do so with trepidation and respect uh partly because of exactly what you said um i found words being extremely limiting uh here especially you know english language some languages are more expressive than others but at the end of the day um being able to convey uh information at every possible level um uh, all at once uh one thing that i will say uh only because this picture snapped into my mind just now earlier i mentioned about the potential vastness of the library because of everything that it contains but that's actually not the case it can exist in a pin like in a a dot because of what it is and how it works uh, whenever we get to that part, it might just blow you guys away. Some of you, maybe not, because I know that there's several of you, excuse me, who are way further along than I am in some things. Um, but that particular download, it was one day last week or two weeks ago. There's been a couple times where, um, and just a couple days ago was one of those where these downloads hit me. And by the time they're done, I'm physically shaking. Like I can't stop shaking because <clears throat> the information and everything connected to it is just so overwhelming. Uh, and so normally the first thing I do is get out into nature uh, because that's grounding and resetting and all of that. And I can recompose myself enough to actually function, uh, which is a good thing. So... Um, you know, as much time as you can spend in nature, all the better. It helps ground you and prepare you for, um, seeing and hearing things. Uh, Margaret, I'll give, uh, Bible verses where they make sense. I do take my shoes off, cat. Yeah. 
like sometimes if I don't have a lot of time, I'll just uh, go out in my front yard, take off my shoes and walk around in the grass. Yeah, one thing that I will say, Margaret, uh, regarding the Bible verses, um, these downloads aren't happening within the context of the Bible. Okay? They're not happening in the context of any spiritual text. The only reason why I'm getting any Bible verses at all is to help me understand from a perspective of analogy. Because honestly, any spiritual text could provide the same context if that was my thing. But, you know, the Bible is the one that I grew up with. It's surprising, though. The one thing that I do appreciate about all of this is that it's opened up my understanding to what certain things mean in a way that I'd never considered before. And I love that. Like, huh. Because we can get very blinder-driven, you know, where we only see things from one simple perspective. Well, what if that perspective is uh, different from what other people see? I'm tempting to say wrong, but there is no right or wrong per se. So um, your perspective, it goes back to what Kathleen just said. Um, you know, uh, it's easy to assume that a person who's having an experience that as you read it, you can relate to it and that that relationship in your mind is the same as the person who had it, but it isn't necessarily, you know, which in some respects, borrowing from the matrix, um, you know, I can show you the door, but you have to walk through it. And that's really the purpose of a lot of this is to, um, to do what I'm called to do, to help uh, provide a different way of seeing, you know. And so as a result, if going through these nerd unscripteds over the next several weeks or months, um, something is shared where you go, I never really thought about it like that before. I've done my job. Uh, Catherine says, it's not in the context you are uh, right. It's interesting that even Eckhart Tolle, in much of his recent stuff, is using Bible verses and chuckling through them. He refers to imparting words that the words are not it. They are pointers to it. Um, I see you giving pointers. That's a really great way of putting it, actually. That's a really great way of putting it. I like that. Yeah, because the other day I was out in nature and uh, I was asked what I saw in that moment. And, uh, you know, I described the leaves on the ground and the rocks and the moss and tree off in the distance and all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, that's what you see, but that's not what's going on. <laughs> that's not what's really there. What about, you know, what's under the surface? What about, you know, the life force that's flowing through all the plants and the trees and the bugs? Like, what about the atoms and how they're rotating and bouncing off of each other? And, I mean, it just kept going on and on and on. It's like, okay, okay, I get it. 
you know, we really do see through a glass darkly. Um, so anyway, I think we'll pause for now and, uh, pick things up next. Actually, we're not going to pick things up next Tuesday. I'm going to be updating go to webinar. Krista and I are traveling this weekend and, uh, we're heading to North Carolina for a few days. And uh, we're leaving Friday. And we're coming home on Tuesday. Uh, it's actually the first time we've been able to really get out like this in a year. Actually, even longer uh, for a non-business-related trip. And so, um, as a result, next week's Nerd Unscripted and next week's Expert Media Show will not happen. They will be, well, they just won't happen. <laughs> um, but we're planning to do some photography in the Smokies and hang out in Asheville a little bit and visit some friends in different places and stuff like that. So it'll be a fun trip, fun getaway. And hopefully uh, we won't invent too many new businesses, which we tend to do when we drive. Uh, Kat says, bless you, T, safe travel, or no, awesome, you rock, as I got them all mixed up. Um, Mitch says, bless you, T, safe travels, thank you. Um, Kat says, is business strategies moving up a week? No, um, we're not leaving until Friday, and so business strategies starts, um, Thursday or no, it's not business strategies. It's writing strategies. Wait, what is it called? Um, breakthrough writing strategies that starts this Thursday. Yeah. So we're leaving Friday and we'll be back late next Tuesday. So none of my normal class training will be impacted at all. Uh, we actually won't be heading that direction, Lois, this time um, over toward Virginia Beach. We're going to probably drive straight down 81. Yeah, so for those of you who are in various classes of mine, um, tonight is Expert Media Show. I'm not quite sure what it's going to be about yet. I'm kind of leaning in two different directions. Um and then Wednesday is the final, this tomorrow, is the final class for um, uh, Easy Calendar Design. And then Thursday is when um, Breakthrough Writing Strategies begins, Module 1, this week. So that's Thursday. And then next Wednesday, there currently is nothing. Um subject to change with notice. Uh, and then Thursday, of course, will be module two for breakthrough writing strategies. So that's it. Thank you all for joining me here today. I really appreciate it. And uh, over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to take quite the journey down the rabbit hole with uh, Alice leading the way. <laughs> so to speak, 
So um, for those of you who are joining me on Expert Media Show tonight, I'll see you then. Um, or I'll see you in one of the courses, or if not before, whenever we reconvene Nerd Unscripted again. So have a good day, everyone.